Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 76, where in a moment we discuss seven financial questions you should be able to answer. This is going to be one of those where I know it should really be called seven financial questions you should be able to answer Dun, dun, dun. Where I don't know the answer to the seven questions and break off during recording to make appointments to find out what the answers are and whether they're wrong. Seven financial questions you should be able to answer. That's today's show topic, and it's on the way, like I say, in just a second. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have just a huge resource of free advice right here. And you can find it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows because in our programmes to date... We featured loads of stuff, mortgages, pensions, life insurance, investing, loads of it. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we looked at home insurance, getting to grips with the basics. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one. Have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. And with me, as always, the star of the show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. I hope I'm able to answer them as well, because I made up the list. (laughs) Boy, okay. Here we go. Do you want me to try and answer these as we we go just for comedy value, or will that just shame me further? (laughs) Do you know what? Like, I I would actually answer some of them myself, but I don't want to give away too much details, because... Um, scammers are always on the hunt looking oh. for your stuff. And if I was to turn around and say, Oh, yeah, I've got a mortgage with such and such, and uh-huh. the balance is this, yeah. it's like, yeah, Oops, yeah. they'll be writing it down. All right, we'll go and try and <laughs> well, steal his personal details. So yeah, what to watch these days, I guess. Yeah, and here's us, you know, throwing it all out there in a podcast, <laughs> right? Okay, so no, no names of actual institutions. <laughs> Seven financial questions you should be able to answer. Here we go. What's number one, Phil? I, I would say the, the first one. What are your financial and life goals? Now, there's a chap called Simon Sinek, and I was on his LinkedIn profile earlier. He's described as he describes himself as an optimist and author. He's a quite a well-known chap, and he always preaches about what's called your why. And put quite simply, it's like why do you do things and what motivates you? So, for example, for me, my why is that I like helping people. Another why for me is that I've got a, well, I've got my kids, I've got six boys, so I've always wanted to do well so that they didn't have to work as hard as what I have over the years. And then I've I've got a son with Down syndrome, so because of that, that they've been a big part of my why. So when, when you're looking at things like what are your financial and life goals, if you look at your why, that, that influences that quite a bit as well. But it's good to have like short-term financial goals, but also medium and, and long-term goals. And, and if you look at what you want to achieve in the long-term, you can then start to break that down and think, right, how am I going to get there? And again, we, we've done some podcasts in the past on like financial goal settings that people might find kind of helpful if, if they go back and listen to you, if they've not mm-hmm. heard that episodes before. But to, to kind of think, right, what's my financial and life goals, quite often you have to go back and say, right, what's your why? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it, it might be, you know, you, you're sitting there and you're listening to this and think, crikey, my why right now is just survival, not going under because, you know, we've been squeezed from, from all sides. But, you know, if, if you, if you look further, when you're saying life goals, you want to be aspirational, right? So I assume here, what we're talking about is also things like the, the home you want to have, being able to go on a certain amount of holidays, having enough savings to help your kids with their finances as they reach life's big milestones. All of that sort of stuff's got to be factored in, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. I mean, at, at the moment, a lot of people are, are focused on their short term why, and that yeah. could be just feeding their kids or yeah. keeping a roof over their head, making finding money to, to pay the bills. And Finding your why, it can help you identify your longer term objectives. So it might be that you want that dream holiday in the Caribbean. It might be that you you one day have a a Bentley or Aston Martin. And in your why, it might be that you want to retire at a certain age. So you might think, right, my why is that my family are important to me. So I want to retire at age such and such so I can spend time with, with them. So Finding your why is is a really important thing when you're looking at your financial and, and life goals. Okay. So I, I think I can chalk that one off as I know the answer. <laughs> I know my goals. I don't know whether I can achieve them, but I know what the goals are. What's number two on the list of seven financial questions you should be able to answer? The, the second one is, what is your disposable income? I, I come across many people who spend more than they earn, which is not... Great. That's one of the bits of financial advice I always say to folks, like spend less than, than you earn. And it seems so simple, yet it's so easy to, to go the other way and end up spending more than, than what you've got coming in. And if you are in that position, you want to try and reverse that trend. But what, what to do is work out what you've got coming in and then have a look at everything that you've got coming out. Now, I, I do have kind of budget sheets that listeners can have. So if anybody wants a copy of that to help them think, right, what have I got coming in? What have I got going out? I have got things that, that might be able to help. So just send us a message, either email us or contact me. I've, I've got a Facebook page for the, the podcast that you can find on there. But what, what you want to do is look and say, right, what have I got coming in? What have I got going out? And anything that's left is your, your disposable income. And if you have got disposable income, that then allows you to maybe look at things like, right, do I want to start saving some of that? Could I use some of it as an emergency fund? Do I want to use some of that money to invest into things like pensions? There's a lot of things that you can do with that. So it's quite an important question when you're looking at your finances to think, right, what disposable income do I have? So to work that out, you need to look and say, right, what's coming in, what's going out, and then what you've got left at the end of the day. Okay, number three on your list is what is your net worth, which presumably is different to disposable income. So how, how do you work that out, Phil? Yeah, I mean, if, if you've got disposable income, I mean, that, that then allows you to look at things like savings and emergency funds, but your net worth, it's slightly different. I mean, what, what your net worth is, is the value of everything that you have less any debts. So for example, if, if you've got a house that's worth 150000 but you've got a mortgage of 100000 then that means that your net worth would be 50000 But then you might have other things as well, I mean, your contents of your house and, and stuff. But the, the reason that net worth is important is it shows you, for example, if, if you've got an inheritance tax liability, you want to know what your net worth is. So you can think, right, if I was to die, how much is my state going to be taxed at if, if that was the, the circumstances? So at, at the minute, the inheritance tax threshold, it's £325,000 
in the current tax year. If you're married, you've got extra allowances there. But that, that's one of the reasons why knowing your net worth is, is quite an important thing. And it, it can also be a good exercise to do because it'll not only let you see what assets that you've got, but also any debts that you have. And then it can be easy for the debts to sometimes build up without you knowing. I mean, at the minute, just over the last few months, my, my credit card, which I used to pay off every month, has gradually been creeping up a, a wee bit. The exact balance, I don't know, but I've got a good idea what it is. So by doing this kind of exercise and saying, right, what assets have I got? What liabilities have I got? You can then calculate your, your net worth at that point. So it, it's a good exercise for, for people to look at doing as well. Okay, uh, number four, what is the interest rate in your debts? Now, a lot of, for a lot of people, Phil, this is going to vary because they'll have like a credit card, maybe a personal loan, where maybe paying off a car, perhaps, mortgage. Are, are we counting all these things? Yeah, you, you want to know what debts you have and, and also the interest rates that, that's payable on, on these debts. And what you want to try and do is get your most expensive debts paid off first. So I mentioned I've got my, my credit card there and cheaper the, the interest rate on that. It must be about close to 30%. So that, that's one of the questions I didn't know the exact answer to myself. So really I should be finding that out because that credit card is normally one that I pay off each month, but after Christmas and, and that, there's been a few things going on it, paid for a holiday on it. And then all of a sudden it's like, mm, balance is a wee bit higher than, than what it normally is. And really for me, that's a debt that I didn't want to have lingering because the interest rate is expensive. It's close, certainly close to 30% is the, the rate on, on that card. So my, my priority just now is to try and get that cleared before anything else. Now, to give you an example, my mortgage interest rate is less than 2%. So let's just say I had a bonus for work at £2,000. Rather than paying that into my mortgage, I would be best paying off that credit card putting that towards the, the credit card balance first because that's a, a more expensive debt. So usually things like payday loans, they'll tend to have a higher interest rate, followed by then credit cards. Personal loans tend to be a bit better and then mortgages tend to be a bit better again. Some people would argue and say, oh, well, a mortgage, if, if you've got that debt over a longer period, you would then pay more interest in the long term. But for, for me... One of the things that's important is try to pay off the most expensive debts first. So it's a good idea to know what debts you've got and also what interest rates they are on that debts as well. And another thing, you, you might have a credit card that's on a not percent interest. So you might think, right, it's not as important to pay that one off as maybe another credit card you might have that has is on a higher interest rate. So that, that's number four on the list is you want to know what debts you have and also the interest rates on those debts. Okay, number five, are your retirement plans on track? So this is basically, you know, that dream, whatever it is for you, maybe going on a round-the-world cruise and then being able to holiday abroad once a year after you retire, as well as a, a comfortable standard of living. So how much does all that cost and are you in target to make it? That's basically the question I get. Yeah, I mean, that, that's it. It's important to look at what you want your retirement to look like. I mean, a lot of people, they'll kind of just like chav on and, and then I really think, what it's going to be, but when you retire, by that time, your mortgage might be paid off. You, you maybe need less to live on at, at that point, but but what you need to do is have a look and say, think, right, how much do I need to, just first of all, to get by on, but also what sort of things do you want to do in your retirement and how much is that going to cost? So if you want to go on a couple of holidays each year, 
what's the cost of that going to be? Would you have enough in your pot to, to kind of pay out for that? Not just your living expenses, but are you going to have enough for, for doing all the extra things that you, you want to do in retirement? And that, that's the sort of question that a financial advisor can help with. And it's good to know, like they, they can also review your pension pot, get a projection as to what that's likely to provide you with when you retire. But they, they can also help you with ways and say, right, how much do you need to save now? They can also look at where's the best place to invest your money? What's your attitude to risk? Are, are you more of a risk taker with your pension? Do you prefer things to be more cautious? Are you comfortable with things going up and down? So they, they can help with, with all of that sort of thing. And as well as pensions, they, they can also have a look at things like ISAs because not only is I mean, a pension is, is one tool for, for saving for your retirement, but there's also other ways like ISAs and, and other things that, that you can consider as well. So it's good to look at the bigger picture of things and, and all of that. Okay, number six, would you be able to cope if you were ill? Phil, I think this episode might be making me ill. <laughs> Certainly I'm getting nervier by the minute. So in my case, I'm self-employed. So if I'm ill, I mean, there's, there's no money coming in at all. So I guess here we're thinking over... Uh, emergency funds, savings, maybe some type of illness cover insurance? Yeah, that's it. This one covers a, a number of things. And having an emergency fund is always, and, and having some savings there is always important because you just never know what, what's around the corner. So you've got to think, how how would you cope if you were ill? What if something unexpected happened? If you were off work with an accident, sickness, or, or some kind of injury that's, that's where things like income protection and critical illness cover can come in. And, and having these sorts of plans in place, they can protect your savings as well, because that, that's one thing. Somebody might have a bit of savings in an emergency fund, but do they really want to use all of that if they were off on the long-term sick? So certainly income protection, critical illness cover, really important thing to look at. And also, if you've no emergency fund, you want to try and build up a, a wee bit there as well. And we, we did do a, a whole episode. It was episode 42. That one was on, could you survive without an income? And mm. do you know what? Products like income protection are just seriously undersold. People will insure their cat, their dog, they'll, they'll take out pet insurance, but they often don't insure the most important thing, which is themselves. And mm -hmm. that's really quite sad, I would say. And, and part of it is partly because they think, Oh, nothing's ever going to happen to me. But sadly, I've seen it in so many occasions where things do happen to people. So one thing that's important, you should try and find out what sick pay you get from your employer if you're ever off through illness or injury. And that's one thing, like for, for like to yourself, you're saying self-employed, you don't have an employer that's going to pay out things. So for people that are self-employed, this question is even more important, I, I would say. And one good thing with not so much with, with critical illness insurance and um, income protection, but life insurance, if, if you've got a limited company, there are ways that you can sometimes get your business to pay for it and that can come off and, and save you a bit of tax and be a bit cheaper doing it that way as well. Business protection is, is seriously undersold as well. But going back to this this question, it's like, would you be able to cope if, if you were off ill? And I don't know. I'm I'm actually just in the process of getting a, a quick tool added to the Phil Anderson Financial Services website. And once this is up and running, hopefully just in the next week or two, that'll allow people to go on and just get quick quotes to for things like 
income protection, critical illness cover, just to kind of make them, give them an idea of the cost, but also just to get them thinking about that that sort of thing as well. But I'm hoping that's just going to be live just in the, the next week or two. It's almost finalised being, being built, but a lot of people just don't think about what happens if I'm off for any period of time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Finally, number seven, would your family know what to do if you died? Well, they better because after this list, <laughs> presumably. <laughs> I, That's it. I mean, when, when somebody passes, one of the first things that the family need to know is, is if you've got a will. Mm. So that, that's a really important thing. If you have a will, they also need to know where it's kept because I have seen some people who've got wills, their family didn't know where it was kept. And then it's almost like worthless because nobody knows where it is or to, to, to find it. But also when if someone was to die, people also need to know about things like have they any insurance policies? Did they have shares, savings? Where are the title deeds for their house if they, they own that? The list here could be really quite lengthy. And one of the things that we've got is we, we have a document called what I own and where it's kept. And that, I, I've had quite a number of people off the back of the podcast asking for, for this document. And it's really particularly useful for people to complete. And if you want a copy of this document, just get in touch. And I, again, if you do fill it in, it's called what I own and where it's kept. This can list all the, the different things. It covers so much in there. And it really is something that, that's worth doing. Good making sure it doesn't ever fall into the wrong person's hands because then they've got a lot of your policy information there. But if you do complete one of these documents, remember and tell your family where it's kept. And then if anybody wants a copy of that, just get in touch and and I can email that through to them or send a copy out in the post, whatever is is easiest. Okay. Now, call this a hunch and I hope not an expectation. I'm going to guess very few people have all seven of those answers nailed down. So they can just reel off the answers off the top of their head. Would I be right in thinking that, Phil, in your experience of asking me? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it it varies greatly. I mean, you'll get some people that'll know the answer to some of the questions and, and the others. I mean, as we were going through, I, I have a good idea for myself of, of all the answers for, for me, but then I'm dealing with financial things day in, day out. And if someone's not like that or that way inclined, then it's easy to not know the answer to, to quite a lot of that mm. questions. And hopefully this episode, it just prompts people to have a look at the ones that they don't know the answers to, because a lot of that questions that we've gone through, a lot of them are really important kind of things for, for getting your sort of finances in check. Mm-hmm. And it's good to, to aspire to know these, and we should be working towards it. This should be our, our goal, our aim to address all this. But for a lot of us, a lot of the time, life gets in the way. And I'm going to add to that, Phil, these last couple of years in particular, they're just thrown up in the air for a lot of us what those answers might be. For instance, you know, if you think of COVID and, and our salaries, who knows what exactly difference that might have made to our retirement plans or with inflation and the rise in the cost of living, how our debts may change. So I guess what I'm asking is, if we don't know the answers to all seven questions, surely we're not just a lost cause. What do we need to do to, to get on track and how do we go about it? I know, I, I'd probably say is just take one thing at a time. If you think you've got a lot to get through, Sometimes then you don't end up doing anything because you just put it off and think, ah, that's too much. It's just too much, isn't it? It's overwhelming. It. Yeah. So I, I would say like take take things one at a time. Don't like don't get overwhelmed by things. And remember, if if you need 
help with, with any of those questions, there's seek help and, and go and try and find someone to, to sort of speak to and, and help you find the answers to them. And there are a range of tools online. Websites such as Money Helper are really good. They've got a lot of good financial tools on there that you can go and, and kind of use. And also speaking to a good financial advisor, they, they can help with, with a lot of these things. And what you will find is if someone does have a financial advisor, they're probably a lot more likely to know the answers to, mm. to a lot of that questions that we've just gone through as well. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So some of the actions that we, we might end up taking as a result of taking stock here and almost sort of doing an audit of ourselves, you know, thanks to these seven questions, I'm thinking maybe if, if I've got debts and credit cards and personal loans, there might be better deals in terms of interest if I bundle them and, and take sort of one bigger loan to pay off everything there. And, and that in turn might mean I've got less to pay out on that debt each month. So maybe I've got more to top up the retirement fund or the savings or emergency fund for a family. There are a lot of permutations here, aren't there, Phil? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if you had quite a bit of debts, I mean, if, if you own your own property, it's maybe worth speaking to a mortgage advisor to, to see what options they, they might be able to look at. If you've a lot of debts and they're struggling, again, that's where some of these debt help places can, can come in. And I know on, on a previous episode with Wendy Fleming on from Ditch Debt with Dignity, and that, that was quite a good episode if, if Indy's struggling with, with debts at the moment, which I know a lot of people are because bills are going up. And I mean, it, sometimes we, we look at financial planning and look at long-term kind of goals and things. But for some people, it's just getting by in the short term. And like I say, some websites like Money Helper have got some good tools on there to, to try and help people out. And seeking out financial advice is, is good. And it might be that for, for some folk, their priorities are maybe looking at long-term things, but for, for many, it will be shorter-term kind of goals as well. Yeah, so in not being able to answer these seven questions straight off the bat and, and sort of prompting action uh, addressing that, we can actually maybe start to improve our circumstances a little bit. Yeah, I and mean, I, I would say one thing that's that's probably worth doing above all else from today's podcast is completing that document, what I own and where it's kept, because that, that's a good starting point. And... By writing everything down, you've then got that in black and white, and then that helps you answer some of the other questions. Like if someone seeks out a financial advisor, one of the first things that the financial advisor will do is what's called a a fact find. So what they want to do is find out about the person. They'll explore their circumstances. And then once they've explored it, they'll then look at the solutions to get them to where they want to be. So you're almost doing a bit of a fact finding exercise on yourself by having that document completed and, and filled in. And the good thing by doing it as well is if anything happens to you, it's one less, one easier thing for your, your family to sort out further down the, the line as well. But in a lot of cases, people don't know their exact circumstances and that document can be a, a help. So if anybody, anyone wants that, just send us an email. My, my email address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. I would say all the, the various handouts and, and documents that we have, that's probably the one that I've been asked most for since we, we started the podcast. We've mentioned it in a, a few episodes previously. So all you need to do is just send me an email requesting that and I'll, I'll try and get it to you as quickly as I can. Okay, I'll just, just to recap, Phil, any other key objectives to sort of remember from this episode that we need to take away? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say spring is, is kind of just around the corner and now's a great time to spring clean your finances. People often put it off, but there's no time like the present. 
Absolutely. Here we go, Phil, uh, as we enter into the part of the show where you share your own life story. What have you got regarding this one on seven financial questions you should be able to answer? Make us feel better. Tell us you haven't always been able to answer all seven at some oh, point in your de- life. Definitely not. I mean, <laughs> de- honestly, several years back, I, I didn't know how to answer to, to most of that questions. And mm. as if, if I'm being honest, like I really need to look at my ins and outs just now because my, my outs are sort of rising quite significantly as, as a lot of people's are just now. So I think at some point in the next week or so, I need to sit down and say, right, what's coming in, what's going out, and, and really kind of looking at it, and bills are going up. And, and to give you a good example of why it's good to do that, I mean, just recently, I, I reviewed some of my bills, and, and one of the ones was my mobile phone bill. I, I was paying out, I, I've got a mobile phone for myself, and also pay for my oldest son's one as well. And Jeepers, I was paying out somewhere in the region about 80, 100 pounds a month for, for these mobiles. And I've had a few texts off my provider saying, your contract's up, you need to be reviewing it. And I just never really, it was a bit of complacency, really. And so I was out of contract, I got in touch with him, and I managed to get a big reduction in both bills. And I've also now taken out another phone contract for my second oldest son. And all three of them put together, we've now got unlimited calls, unlimited data. And all three of them are now quite a bit cheaper than what I was paying for the two. So it just shows it, it, it's worth kind of sitting down and looking at your ins and outs and saying, right, what's coming in, what's going out? Then look and say, right, off the outs, what can I save on? Amazon have just put up the, the cost of their subscription. So it's like, do you use it? I, I've seen some people that have got various kind of things that they're paying out on that they never really use anymore. So it's definitely a good exercise to do is, is set, look at your ends, look at your outs and try and get the answers to some of these questions that we, we've just gone through. The important thing though, I guess, is to, you know, don't stick your head in the sand and just keep doing the same old, same old. Yeah, definitely. Phil, we all do this bit as well. You find inspiration, I know, through various people that you admire and you love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for seven financial questions you should be able to answer? Quote this week is from someone called Tom Peters. You can only improve what you measure. Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up in a second. Give it to you after these. Here's our first question. Hi, Phil. I've been moving credit card debt around to try and save on interest and slowly paying down the overall debt. But the cost of living means it's squeezing me tighter again. And I wonder if it might be better trying to put the credit card debt onto a personal loan where I could pay less per month, but still be paying it back. Certainly worth considering a personal loan. The the interest rates on these tend to be less than on credit cards, although what you've got to be aware of is that some credit cards do offer some good introductory rates. So it's worth just checking what interest rate you're on for, for that. If you're looking at loans, one thing I would say is remember, don't just go to your own bank because they're not always going to be the, the best for, for that. So shop around to make sure that you get the best deal again for, for your circumstances. Okay, next one is from Ashley in air. Ashley asks, Hi Phil, I'm lucky in so much as I've got a bit of money left over each month just now. I'm wondering whether to start a private pension in addition to my work one or whether the money would be better invested elsewhere. You're likely to have the option to do either. Most workplace pension schemes will let you pay extra into them. What I would say to Ashley is, if you've got a financial advisor, I would go and speak to them to see what they suggest because 
they can look at your existing pension, see where it's invested. They can also look at things like the charges and costs. So they, they can give you a good idea. Is it best adding to that one or starting a, a separate one? Some people like to start a separate one because they want to diversify a wee bit and keep things separate. They, they might think, oh, I might only be in this job a period of time, so I'd rather just set my own one up and have two. Other people will then think, oh, I'd rather have less administration and just pay into the, the works one. So there's a number of factors to kind of take into account there. I would say too, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to have a look at our back catalogue because we've covered loads of stuff so far. Um, we might have touched something that you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been talking about or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question, and like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us, and please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need from Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks, John. Hope you have a great week. You too.